I would like you today to receive, and I know that you will, but I want you to receive from these two men that are coming today, and they're going to release to us the word that the Father has put in their heart. Both Sam and AJ today are going to be ministering to you and me, and we're going to receive them with our hands. We're going to receive them with our shouts. So would you put your hands together? Would you lift your voice, and would you welcome first Sam Shelf as he comes to bring the word? Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, yeah, you can call me dad, and, and I'm a cool dad because I have a neck tattoo and a nose ring. So was... <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for celebrating and rejoicing with us. We knew you would, but it just, it means so much when it happens, and it's so awesome. We love you guys. So, I'm going to jump right on in, and uh, I'm going to be talking about the temple, the church, uh, a temple fit for a king. Um, and in that, I'm going to talk about what Yeshua specifically, Jesus, talked about when it comes to the church and what he meant by the church. In the Gospels, he mentions the church, what we translate the word church, three times. He says it once in I'm a, Matthew 16 and once in Matthew eight, and twice in Matthew 18. And it's on this rock, I will build my church. That's the first one. And in the second one, he's talking about if there's a problem and you go to that person and they don't fix the problem, you take it to the church and you go before the church. But when he says church, that's not the word he used. They didn't have church buildings back then. They had temples and synagogues, but they didn't have church buildings. We translate it to church because that's what we go to. That's what makes sense to us is we go to church. But the word he used was ekklesia. And in ekklesia, if you don't know, it's a Greek word. And it's a word that everyone in that time period was aware of it. When he used that, it made a lot of sense to them. All Jews in that time, they knew three places in their city, in their town, their area. Immediately, they knew exactly where to go. They knew where the temple was. They knew where the synagogue was. And they knew where the ecclesia met. And that's the key. It's not, it's not a building, the ecclesia. The definition of it is gathering of those summoned. That's the, the definition of ecclesia. And in that, it was usually in the marketplace. It was downtown. It was somewhere where everyone knew. Maybe it was a fountain. Maybe it was where you buy your food. Maybe it's where you pay your taxes. Wherever it is, everyone knew this is the ecclesia, and this is where we go to, di- to discuss matters of us, matters of our city, matters of what's going on with the people. Is there problems? Are we doing good? Do we need to make some changes? It was almost governmental but it wasn't an established government. It wasn't an appointed building. It wasn't the Capitol building, and it wasn't appointed judges. It was just normal people coming and talking about what's best for us. What are we going to do next in our community? And that's the word that Yeshua picked when he was talking about his church. He said, I want you to come and be a part of my ecclesia. That's not one of our customs. It's not one of our words as Jews, as Hebrews. That's not even one of our words. It's a Greek word. But you all know about the ecclesia, and you know the power of the ecclesia in our communities. Um, so in that, I'm going to talk about the early ecclesia. So I'm going to go to Acts 2, 43 and 47. All right, so 
and they title it, and you know they add the titles in afterwards, but it's called The Fellowship of the Believers. And it goes like, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together and with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So some things that you can notice in what the early church did is they were in public together every day. And it doesn't say if it was the whole group or if it was just a few members of them, but people that were a part of the early church every day, they broke bread, they ate, they hung out publicly in their homes, whatever. But you knew, like, they're friends. You just knew that because they eat together. And at the time, that was a big staple of friendship and of relationship is eating with someone because you don't eat with your enemies. So they would eat together. They also publicly be praising Yahweh, praising God. They'd be happy. They'd be talking about what's going on in their lives, the good things. Maybe they'd be like we were doing and celebrating that someone among them is having a kid or marriage or just they're really good at work. Whatever it is, they're friends. So they were just talking to each other and they were celebrating. They were praising. They were maybe singing songs, dancing, going to weddings, whatever it might be. They were just always together. They were always praising. They were publicly together. And and in that, and they also helped those in need. And that wasn't just each other. They did help each other. They all would see who in my house needs help. But they also, moving as a unit, look around and they're like, who else needs some help? And they were helping those people. And in that, new people came into their group every single day. And it wasn't because they were like, hey, you need to turn your life around and come be like us. They were just out in the community and they were helping and having fun. And then people were like, I want to hang out with you guys. And that's what that means. They were just like, I'm going to do that. And uh, I think that's awesome. And I feel like we're heading in that direction. But as a, as a church world, that's not the direction that most people are going. And, and that's why I think that it says that the Lord grew their numbers daily. Every day they were added their numbers. Not because they were trying. They weren't trying to gain numbers. They were just going about their days. They were meeting people. They were having fun, doing whatever that they wanted to do, really. But they were doing it together, and people wanted to be a part of that. And I think that's so awesome. And, and we've all heard the saying that the gates of hell cannot withstand the kingdom. And w- when you think about that statement, that doesn't mean that we hide inside of our gates. And that doesn't, that doesn't push on any gates. And if we're able to attack the gates of hell, as I say, break through the gates, that means we're out and we're pushing in and we're breaking in. And, and I think that that's a big thing that, that is what's happening with us is we're continuing to get outside of our walls and we're continuing to tear those gates down. I, what I heard Holy Spirit tell me was when you go out and you're just meeting people, what you need to do is you're giving them a taste of heaven in the middle of their hell. Whatever they're living in, they may not even know how messy it is because that's just their life. But you just have to give them a taste. You don't have to come in and tell them this is what's wrong with your life. This is what you need to do different. You just give them a little glimpse of what your life is like. They might be really negative. You just show them the positivity that you have. I understand what you're going through. I'm going through something too. But here's all the good things that are happening in my life. Here's all the ways that you always bless my life. 
And in that, you're just giving them a taste and like, oh, it doesn't have to be a drag. And, and then they might be more interested in finding out where do you go? What do, what do you do? Who do you hang out with? Um, so in all of this, the temple was the indwelling presence of God. That's what they knew it as. That's where, that's where they knew that Yahweh resided. He was inside the temple. And in the synagogue, that's where you went to hear scriptures and to fellowship. So you would go there, you'd hear a priest or whoever it may be, and he would read scripture, and you'd hang out with your people. But then you look at Yeshua's um, ecclesia, that's all in one, because now he's given us Holy Spirit. So we have the indwelling of Yahweh within us, wherever we go. And we have scripture as we need it, wherever we go. We have it on our phones, and we have it in our hearts, and we may not even need to use this scripture because we have scripture in our hearts that he's given us. And maybe that's what he needs. He needs our words for that moment. And, and that's what I see. The, the picture that Yeshua had in his head of his ecclesia, of his church, was it was mobile, it was 24-7, and it was going outside. And anyone that you come in contact with, they're, they're right now in your ecclesia. They're a part of it. And, and I just... I'm so excited in our house that we are attempting to get outside of the walls to accomplish that goal. So I'm going to read one more scripture, and this one is Proverbs 4:18. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. So what I see in that is the, the path of the righteous is like the dawn, how it says. But as we get closer, as you see more of us, as we get closer to your life with our life, it gets brighter and brighter until you can't ignore it. Everything is lit up. Everything is visible. And it's clear as day. You see the evidence. You see what's happening in our life. And you're seeing what's happening in your life being around us. And, and that's, that's what I see us heading towards. So I would just say, as a whole... How can we pray for our city? And praying for our city, our community, not in the sense of begging for numbers, not begging, oh, God, please let more people come in the door. It's, it's really asking for an opportunity, an opportunity to shine into someone else's life. How can I run into someone if it's the guy at the counter at the gas station or maybe it's someone at a restaurant or maybe it's, someone that comes to your place of work and it's a customer and you're the employee, whatever it may be, what are these different opportunities so that I can show Christ to those who have never seen him before? They've never known him. How can I show him through myself, through my actions, through my words? It's introducing the love of Yahweh to someone who's never experienced the love. And it's like I said before, it's showing them that glimpse of something different than what's in their life introducing that piece of heaven to them in the middle of the hell that they're surrounded by. And in that way, that's how you're going to shock somebody and wake them up into wanting to get out of that. So thank you. Ooh, thank you, Sam. Um, whew. Man, is there anybody grateful? Is there any gratitude in anybody's heart in here today? Oof, I, oh, man, Yahweh. 
I just want to uh, start this off by just honoring Pop Steve. Thank you, sir, um, for what you do, for what you do for this house and how, how you challenge us to move into the next place. Um, also, my wife, she's very beautiful. I love you, babe. Her hair is dead. Yes, I'm taking care of her, if you see. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But really quickly, what I want, what I want um, everybody to do, I have some keys that's really going to help what Sam just said become more than just, um, and he was speaking more than just words, but how to implement this. How do we move into this place that he's talking about? How does that go from um, something in the spirit that's in our hearts to something tangible? Like, how do we bring that through that place? And um, so I want you, what I want you to do, just stand with me for a little minute. It's not going to be long. I just have a few keys for you guys I want to give you. And so if I would say what this would be called, would be called by the way of two. And that's who we are. So right now, I want you to just take a moment and just see what's in you. Where's your vision at? What are your dreams? What are those things that, in, that are in you that the Father has placed there since the beginning of time? And if there's any lack in those things, I got some keys for it. I'm going to help you out. So time, dreams, work, struggle, everyday life, technical legalities, your money, your education level, your trauma, your finances will become obsolete when you can learn how to implement these things into your life. So the first thing is vision and passion and lack thereof. If you have any vision or or lack of vision in you, I want to challenge you right now to look into yourself and ask yourself, who am I surrounding myself with? Because our vision can only be extended by those around us. And we talk about us serving Yahweh and how we serve the Father. But how can we serve uh, a father that we've never seen, but we can't look to, and this is not, I'm not coming at y'all, but I'm challenging you to, to look beyond today. And not only to look beyond past where you're at, but I want you to look beyond just right now, right in this room. I want you to look beyond in your moment right now. So I want to challenge you, look beyond to the people. How can you serve a God you've never seen, but you can't serve your brother? If you're, serve, if you're serving the Father, when I serve Sam, I'm serving Yahweh. When I serve in his vision, I'm serving the vision of God. I can't serve the vision of God if I can't serve Steve's vision, if I can't serve uh, Ben's vision. For me to say that uh, Ben's vision or Marshall's vision is not my vision is opposite of God. Because the, and, and I want and, and just, just to, just to tie that in, I just want to go to a verse really quick. And I want to go to Matthew, let's go to Matthew 18, uh, verses uh, 19 through 20. And this is, and this is uh, the Father, because it's in red, that's how we know he said it. Um, but he starts this off by saying again. So this is something the Father is reiterating to us. So it is important. We see that word again, pay attention to what's happening. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on, on earth about anything that is as, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in, the, in my name, there are, I am among them. And so what does that mean? Does that mean who was gathered with somebody? We've had family functions and stuff like that. We talk, we're gathered right now, but which one of y'all can point out God in this room right now? Like where's Yahweh at right now? Look to your left, look to your right. Where is he at? What does that mean when the father says that? What the father is talking about, what Sam is talking about is the mature mind of God. So your vision 
is amazing, Jenny. But guess what? If you don't come, if you don't tie strings with me, us together, if we don't form that arc, it's lacking. That doesn't mean it isn't holy and full in that form. But because of the mind of Yahweh, his complete mind, when we bring things from the heavenlies through us, it is great. It is amazing. But guess what? The only way to bring the mature body of the father, this temple that that um, that the father is talking about, this temple, the only way to bring it into the natural is to join with one another. Because when I join my vision or your vision, now we can see the complete body of God. Now we can see the complete the complete word in its fullness. And so it means sorry about that. It means that you mature in the supernatural when you join with your brothers and sisters. And I know that this sounds super simple. I know that this sounds like elementary that I'm telling you guys this. But when's the last time you went to get wings with your homies? When's the last time you went to go shopping with your sister? When's the last time you went to go do something outside of your schedule? You know, that's that's and I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking to you about what I know. And I promise you, those things that are in you, those desires that are in you, those dreams that are in you, serving. And that doesn't just mean serving what you serving yourself because you're serving, hey, what Yahweh put in me today. But go out of your way and say, what can I help you with? What can I do for you? How can I advance your vision? How can I serve you? How can I become invaluable to you? When we become invaluable to one another, that is the place where we can bring anything in the Father's heart through to the natural. <clears throat> because, <clears throat> and this is just, <clears throat> excuse me, this is just a quick illustration. We all know how difficult labor is. Well, we don't know how enough. But <clears throat> labor is associated with a struggle that happens. But the thing is, that's by design. And by the way of two of us, by the way of me and Sam, by the way of me and Matt, uh, Ben and Cody, by that way, when we, by that way, we can bring anything in the heavenlies, anything in the Father's heart through the natural. Because the Father is there, he's present in that. And that's what I just want to release. Those are the keys I want to give you guys. I love y'all. Thank you for letting me share.